Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. From the Financial Times, this is Hard Currency. How are you feeling about emerging markets? Are you behind the great rally that's taking place in EM currencies, buying up all the R's, the ringgit, the real, the rand and the ruble? Or do you fear it's all a flash in the pan and waiting for the 2015 sell-off simply to resume? I'm Roger Blitz and welcome to Hard Currency, which looks at the events and trends shaping the FX market. And with me to discuss these issues is Claire Dissot, who's in charge of economics and strategy at Millennium Global Investments. Claire, the rally in EM, pretty remarkable over the past few weeks. It's almost like it's gone too mm. fast, too quickly. Do you agree? I think the rally has been remarkable. As you said, it's gone ahead of fundamentals in some cases. However, I would really note that those assets had been underowned, underloved for most of the last two underloved. years. Underloved. <laughs> and yes, and not for, all, for good reasons in some cases, because we all know about the structural downgrade of emerging markets, mm. the fact that there, are, there is too much leverage, especially in the corporate sector, and also that the reliance on commodities was too strong. And to be fair, those two headwinds have decreased potential growth in many cases. So we come up with about 5% for potential growth for emerging markets. And that's your re-rating of emerging markets over the last few years. However, it's still much better than in developed markets, as you see. And this gap is also stabilizing. So the gap between emerging market growth and developed markets had come down over the last few years. It's now stabilizing. And I think the recent uh, stabilization in PMIs in the emerging markets is actually above 50 for the emerging markets we track. That's quite an encouraging signal that they eventually benefit from a stabilization in the short-term outlook. And obviously, that's driven by developed markets demand as well. I mean, I mentioned, mm -hmm. you know, the real, yes. the, the ruble, the ringgit, the rand. There's also the Chilean peso, the Colombian peso, the Singapore dollar. All of these have been rallying very strongly in the last few months. I mean, we at the FT always think that the market just treats EM too much in, you know, as, as in one broad brush and doesn't differentiate enough. I mean, of all of those, do you feel that the rally in those have been justified? It's true that correlations between emerging market currencies and commodities have increased quite a lot mm. and with equities. So there's been an increase in cross-asset correlation. And I think we should differentiate. I agree with you. And especially in terms of valuation, you still have a few attractive valuations in emerging markets. So some currencies are extremely cheap. You haven't mentioned the Mexican peso because it has underperformed this year. It's one of the cheapest currencies, which I think should actually recover given the fundamental backdrop. So valuation should be one story. I think the other story that you, in all those currencies, the, one of the common links is the commodity axis. And obviously we've had better data out of China and we've had a more dovish Fed. And all of that has helped the battered currencies, yes. which are commodity linked. I wouldn't buy the rally in all cases. So for instance, for, for the ruble, I would agree with the market that in fact, real yields are quite supportive in the near term. So we've got a conservative central bank. We've got inflation falling quite dramatically. And that means we have underlying support for the currency. But it's an oil play. It's definitely only well, an oil play. Well, it's an oil play, you say. And, and 
I suppose if you're going to keep supporting commodity effects, you have to buy into the fact that the rally in the oil is going to continue. Is it as simple as that? Not an oil expert, but it's <laughs> it's probably we've probably seen most of the rally. I think the news over the weekend will be important, but we've probably priced it already. So my base case would be for stabilization in oil around those levels. And we have this important meeting at Doha this weekend, which yeah. uh, is presumably going to see the fruits of that on the commodities FX side on from Monday, won't we? It's probably mostly in the price, in my view, and we haven't seen the real deal yet, so the supply demand imbalance is still there. Okay, so if it's as simple it's, as looking at, at oil in one mm-hmm. sense, is it also as simple as by looking at what's happening with China and mm-hmm. the China data and also the US Fed? Yeah. It's very binary, yeah. isn't it, Ian? It's true that emerging markets have been caught between China with negative impact on commodity exporters and the Fed, mm-hmm. with the markets worrying about the impact from the Fed tightening cycle on EM currencies. I think if we start first with the Fed, we've definitely had the dovish Fed in, uh, in March. The Fed has tried to drive real yields lower in the US. Uh, that has actually worked. And the message from the Fed is that as long as financial conditions are too tight for the US, the growth outlook is uh, still fragile. And the Fed will be very cautious and gradual. That's exactly what emerging markets need in order to perform. Mm. And even if they have too much debt, and it's true, we still have about $3 trillion of dollars of yes. debt in dollars by emerging markets. So that's a big factor of the medium term. But the big problem for emerging market currencies where if you had a big rally in the dollar, and we now have a pause in the dollar, and we don't have a big rise in yields. So what we need to look at is how powerful can the Fed and be? And how sustained it's going to how be? Sustained it can do, you, be. do you think the Fed Chair Janet Yellen cares about EM and cares about growth in EM? I think the Fed and Janet Yellen in particular only cares about emerging markets if the growth downturn in emerging markets has a significant feedback loop on the US. And it has in, in, um, in some moments. I think to some degree, it's not so much about the growth impact. It's also about the global financial market impact. And mm. we all worried at the beginning of this year mm. when Chinese um, fixing policy, currency policy was very hard to read and was very destabilizing to global equity markets. And I think that's the feedback loop. And the second feedback loop is uh, definitely the divergence between the US and emerging markets that's driving the dollar strengths. And the stronger the dollar, the bigger the drag on net exports. So that's why the Fed cares more about the dollar than about emerging market growth. Uh, Okay, let me ask the question in a slightly different way. Does the Fed care more about emerging markets today than it used to, say, a couple of years ago? I think you could say that, but mostly because of the financial linkages. The fact that the Chinese dynamics have such an impact Mm. on global financial markets tells you that it it's an issue for major central banks. Yes. Yeah. I'm always amused that we talk about yeah. Chinese renminbi as an emerging market economy. Yes. Of course, that's the other that's big true. factor in EM. And yeah. again, you talk about trends and, what, and trying to determine what's going to happen. It feels like the market wants to believe the data that's coming out of mm-hmm. China because the alternative yes. is so dreadful. Do we believe that Again, actually, in a similar sort of way, that China cares about what happens to the EM, just as, to some extent, the, the Fed does. I think China cares about political and social stability. That's why yeah. I think we can trust the stabilization in China. So the authorities have become very worried that uh, short-term growth was faltering, and they've actually put the priority more on stabilization of growth in Q1 rather than on restructuring. 
So we've seen evidence of that in terms of public investment. So public investment is increasing and also property measures uh, have been relaxed. So we've seen a boost as well in real estate. So all of that is actually putting a bit more positive news in terms of economic data. That's probably not going to be sustained beyond the middle of this year. And I think the short-term optimism is really founded on adding more to credit imbalances, more to public investment instead of supporting consumption and rebalancing. So we're building more of a problem over the longer term in China, but over the near term, you still have a push for more investment and headline growth will stabilize in Q2. Here's my imaginary crystal mm-hmm. ball, Claire, on, yes. on the table in front of you. In six months' mm-hmm. time, where do you think the Fed and China are yes. going to be in order to help us understand where EM is heading? By September, I think the Fed will have hiked again in June. Right. Um, the key point for that is that Yellen will look at the global developments. And so far, we've seen an improvement in March in global PMIs. As we mentioned, China is stabilizing. So if we continue to have this scenario, we now have a dollar that is cheap compared to rate differentials, for instance. And at the same time, the global outlook is recovering. So that's really the green line for some divergence to be reestablished. Yes. The second point is obviously domestic data in the US, and we still expect uh, the labor market to be resilient. And we see also a case for wage inflation to firm. And we are not that skeptical okay. about core inflation rising. That so that's the Fed. That's the Fed. And China? And China, I think by September, will have continued to depreciate its currency, probably at a faster pace. Than at a faster pace, okay. If you noticed in the background, they've been quietly depreciating yes. their, basket, yes. their currency versus the basket. Yes. And I think that will continue, and that will continue against the dollar as the dollar strengthens. Okay, so we talked earlier about this broad brush approach mm-hmm. that the market has had to EM. So one thing that always occurs to me is that central banks are just trying to buy time for individual countries to try and mm-hmm. recover. So in this yeah. six-month or maybe nine-month window, yeah. who do you have faith in? Let us try and split up EM as best as we can and try and understand which of these currencies are more likely to appreciate and why. Could you help us with differentiate? Yes, so that's a fair point that central banks are buying time, but that's actually even more valid in developed markets where reforms have been really lagging. So if you think about emerging markets, we look at the reformers. So we have a good case in Mexico, as you know, over the last Mm -hmm. few years. Uh, They've reformed the fiscal side as well as uh, the energy sector. And they are dealing with the issues around Pemex. So it's probably one of the best institutional framework. And they've continued to make progress in that environment. So in terms of fiscal austerity and structural reforms, that's one of the favorites. Mexico gets a tick. Mm-hmm. Who else gets a tick? Probably India. So yeah. there was a lot of market enthusiasm after Moody was elected. There's been more incremental progress uh, in reforms. And we've seen the big uh, positive in terms of attracting more FDI. So li- liberalization, huge FDI. And we're following the bankruptcy loan that is going to go through the lower house. Uh, We also could have positive news on the GST reform, the VAT reform. So they're moving ahead, probably not as fast as we could have wished for, but there's a good cyclical backdrop in addition to structural reforms. And whose rally do you think has been overdone? Where do you think, hang on a minute, that's, that's really gone way too fast. I think if you look at emerging Asian currencies, they actually rebounded with the broad dollar weakening and I don't think that is justified. So first of all, the Chinese risk really look underpriced. Mm-hmm. The fact that the market is only pricing about 3% depreciation of the Chinese currency versus the dollar over the next 12 months does not seem enough. If you believe that to get growth going, yes. they continue to need more easing. The yes. currency is still expensive. Yes. 
and they need really to stabilize growth. The second point is that linked to that, we've had also the Korean won being a bit too strong in the recent rally, in my view, given the structural issues we have. So, for instance, Korea is really hurt by the competition from China in a few sectors in the electronic sector, like the semiconductors. Mm. So that's really a structural trend that means that exports will be weak and domestic demand is also sluggish. So they need fiscal, monetary and currency depreciation. In conclusion, you look for sustained continuation of this EM rally in mm parts in Mexico, Mm -hmm. in India, but be careful about Asia. That would be the conclusion, Asia excluding India, obviously. Excluding India. My thanks to Claire Disso of Millennium Global Investments. Keep abreast with all the Forex news and analysis on ft.com's forward slash markets. Thank you for listening and join us again next week for Hard Currency. If you enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy the FT Money Show, the FT's most popular weekly podcast presented by me, Claire Barrett, the editor of FT Money. The Money Show comes out every Wednesday and you can download it at ft.com slash podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.